Welcome to the Growth Elevated Leadership Podcast with Julian Castelli. Each week, we talk with senior tech leaders to explore stories and insights about the challenges involved with growing technology companies. We hope that these stories can help you become a better leader and help you navigate your own growth journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Growth Elevated Leadership Podcast. Today, we're joined by Joel Inman, CEO of Lexicon Travel Technologies. Joel spent almost five years building this company, and we're going to hear some great stories about his journey up the leadership mountain today. Please welcome Joel Inman. Hey, Joel. How are you this morning? Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me, Julian. I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you. Joel, we've been friends a long time, and I've been a big fan of yours. You're you're a tremendous leader and great business mind, and I've been watching you along the journey at at Lexicon, and we're grateful to have you here to share some of the stories. Well, I'm happy to be here, and uh, hopefully the experiences that that I have will be helpful for uh, for the audience here. Fantastic. So give us a little background. T- tell us tell us what is Lexicon Technologies? What do you guys do? And tell us a little about the, uh, about your customers and how you help them. Sure. So Lexicon uh, Travel Technologies is sort of a blended SaaS and services model. Um, you know, pitched it as a as a SaaS as a software model, but uh, truth be told, there were a lot of services underneath the covers to make it work. Um, Lexicon is in the travel space and the the, the company does something called channel management, which is syndicating information in between property management software and OTAs, online travel agencies, such as Airbnb, Expedia, Booking.com. And the syndication process is, uh, think of it as middleware. It's one software system talking to another software system. And uh, what it does is it improves the life of the property manager so they don't have to log into multiple um, online travel agencies and change prices, for example, or change availability calendars by hand. So it's an automation of that process. So your customer is who, Joel? Customer is the property manager. Okay, so these are the people someone that, in the vacation rental space. So these are vacation rental rental companies. A property. If I'm a property manager, I have I'm managing how many properties? Property managers, you know, can really vary from managing one property. Say you're a super host on Airbnb all the way up to hundreds of properties, thousands of properties, tens of thousands of properties. Our company really focused more on the enterprise space with the larger property managers that were uh, managing at least 50 properties or more. Okay, so I've got 50 properties and I'm trying to get them, I'm hired by the owners of the vacation rentals to get these sold. So one of my expertise is to be able to fill and drive occupancy, right? That's where Lexicon comes in? Yeah, that's correct. So part of this is the expertise that Lexicon has is a marketing platform to be able to optimize listings on Airbnb. So when you see your Airbnb listing, if you're shopping for a, uh, for a place to stay, it looks attractive, it bubbles up to the top of the search results, um, and it's, an, it's enticing for you as a, as a customer to want to click on it. So that's part of the role that, uh, that Lexicon fills for the property manager. Right. And I've got my hands full managing these properties and trying to get them on, get them out and advertise on my own channels. And so you're going to help me get them on, on more channels and, and perhaps more effectively with, mm-hmm. with the display of those ads, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. Taking on part of the, the marketing work uh, as well as the technology work uh, and essentially freeing up your time and your cost to do those things as a property manager. Perfect. Okay, great. If I'm coming in and hiring Lexicon, what's what's your value proposition? Like, what, what are you promising me that I'm going to ask you to deliver? You know, well, we're saying 
We're saying we're going to take your listings and make them better. Okay. We're going to drive revenue and we're going to lower your work. We're going to lower the cost to you in terms of the hours spent. Well, that sounds pretty good. How is that message received? So, I mean, you've got a good value proposition. You've got a giant market here, right? Everyone wants to get into vacation rentals. We, you and I've worked together in the industry. I know that's how this came about. And uh, so you've got, you've got some two great things there. Tell us a little bit about how that went. You know, the message was received pretty well. Uh, we were operating in a market where we did have to do a lot of evangelism. Everybody, all the property managers know what channel management is. And so the question is really, um, you're competing against other, other people in the industry. You're competing against the property management software systems themselves. So we had a little bit of a, um, a frenemy situation going on where our partners on the property management side also had similar products to what we were producing. So in terms of differentiation, we had to stand out and say, our product is better. <laughs> You're going to pay more for our product because it's simply better. That comes across, uh, you, know, you can do it effectively with proof points and, and case studies. And, you know, competition was challenging. It, it is challenging in our, in our business. So I would say it's a it's pretty mature market. You know, we're definitely not the leader in the space. And we really needed to showcase our, our abilities and our value proposition in order to, to gain new business and, and also to prevent churn. Yeah. So Joel, you know, you're, you're a strategy and financial analyst by training. So you really you know, have some great experience looking at a marketplace and examining it. And I want to go deep on what you talked about. So we talked about, we know it's a big market. We talked about, uh, you know, the value proposition is there, but now you, you dove deep. I suspect we're going to hear some stories about it. Now you said that the competitive intensity was, was pretty tough. Is that your biggest challenge? Um, you, you know, from a business standpoint, I want to dive into a, a, a topic here. It's mostly about lay of the land. You lay know, of the so land? We, okay. lay, lay of land, like knowing where you are um, mm -hmm. and knowing the conditions around you and, and sort of having accurate self-view, self-awareness or consciousness. When we started the company, um, you know, we only had five employees. We were really excited. You know, we were all gathered around my ping pong table in the basement. And, um, and this we is around 2017? 2017, yeah. 2017. And we we're going to change the world, right? And this uh, journey was, was, you know, through 2017 through what? About five years, six years? Yeah, 2017 through 2022. Uh, really is is the the, the span so of, the okay. kind of what we're talking about for our for, for our context setting that's that's what we're all about here that's the journey that you're on and that's why you're on this this podcast we want to hear stories from that journey so this is perfect thank you go ahead yeah uh yeah so i was saying you know we started the company with five people um raised funding we were super excited uh, we bought some technology, uh, and so we had a technology platform ready to go, and we started um, we started going for it. So we created some strategic partnerships fairly quickly. We were able to launch with a handful of strategic customers, and it was kind of off, you know off to the races. So um, we had a pretty good start, and we were able to raise funding, both initially seed funding to start the company, and then about a year or two later. And, um, you know, we really thought we were going to going to sh kind of shoot the moon on this. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember your excitement. Yeah. And, and about, you know, two years into the company, I got this call from somebody. And this was just after we had raised our second round of funding. Um, you know, so we were unstoppable. We were just, mm -hmm. you know, 
floating on cloud nine. And I got a call from somebody in the industry saying, hey, I want to buy your company. And this was a competitor who was offering us a fair amount of money, basically just to take us out because he was threatened. We were, we were taking his customers, taking his customers, taking his customers, and he just wanted to get us out of the picture. And I kind of took it to my team and I, I took it to the board and, and we kind of laughed and we were like, no way. We just raised money. We're going to, we're going to put them out of business. You know, we're going to destroy the world. And, um, you know, fast forward five, six years later, we ended up exiting the company at a time where the, the industry had totally collapsed and um, we weren't able to make it past that initial startup phase. You know, mm -hmm. and so when I talk about lay of the land and understanding where you were, we were in a mature market with a with a product that was not very innovative. And uh, we were counting on ourselves to just um, brute force our way into the industry and to someday build something really special that would take over the world. We never got there, uh, you know, and so we sold the business. And this is one of the things that I'm most proud about. We were able to sell the business, uh, but sell the business. Uh, in a time when the industry had collapsed and ended up selling it to the same guy oh, really? that, offered, that offered me the, you know, the, the, the business, you know, two years into the company. Uh, so the lesson learned is, you know, if I had the awareness then about, um, you know, being honest with myself and, and, uh, and where we fit in the landscape would have taken that deal, should have taken that deal. And, and was that original offer? higher or lower than where you ended up five years later it was better it was, it was a better, better. Deal than, yeah it was a better oh deal. my goodness yeah it was a it was a significant um you know multiple on our revenue and at the time our revenue was good and, and going you know uh, and going up into the right uh we built on that revenue so we exited the company with a larger revenue base than than we had at that time but the value wasn't there anymore so yeah and again back, back to your strategic analysis days right uh, I think you have a unique perspective on just really like you're talking about the lay of the land, but understanding your five forces, where you are, timing of markets. I mean, this won't make you feel better, but you're not alone in bypassing an early offer because you've got the stars in your eyes and you know that you're going to conquer the world. I can raise my hand. I've been there. And, and, and I bet you, as we talk to entrepreneurs and business leaders, I bet you 70% of the people have one of those stories, right? I mean, if you're not optimistic about the future, you can't really do this job, right? Yep. But in, yep. In, in retrospect, you know, would you have taken more of your strategic, you know, analysis lens up earlier? Is that what you're saying? And, and, and really try to you'd benchmark strengths, but would you also kind of look at market timing and, and seasonality and try to at least have a rough, rough outline or a hypothesis to, as to, you know, what are going to be good exit periods and what are going to be, you know, grinding periods? You know, I think it's, it's simpler than that. It's kind of listening to your, listening to your gut or your, or your, your conscience, um, whatever that means, because there was a feeling deep down inside of me that says, take this money and run, uh, you know, um, this is a great offer and the external forces that I was dealing with the politics and the fundraising and, you know, you just raised money. You just sold some investors. Just, the just raised a big chunk of money. So I would have had to go back to the board, you know, weeks later after we raised this big round and I had convinced the board and we brought on a new investor, Hey, we're going to go do this. And it's, you know, it, it's really attractive. I would have had to go back to that new investor and say, we're exiting now. And, you know, you're going to get 
three uh, X on your money or something like that. Um, it's not the venture model, model is I want 10 X on my money. Yeah. I want a hundred X on my money. I would have had to say, you're going to get three X on your money weeks after we raise fund. And um, it was the right thing to do. Uh, and so having the, the strength and the fortitude to sort of follow your gut in that lens of uncertainty and say, you know, uh, everything looks good right now, but you don't, you know, you may not never, never get this chance again and, and let's go for it. So um, that requires a lot of courage uh, and it Absolutely. requires, it requires a lot of conviction knowing yourself and kind of following that as opposed to just going to flow. So, so you're saying you kind of knew deep down, but you were repressing that feeling a little bit because of, you know, pressure from investors, social pressure, expectation pressures, but you, you felt, you know, what, what percentage, you know, if we'd got you in a dark room and there's no one else listening, you know, I, I was able to talk to you at that moment and say, Joel, what percentage do you think this is the right move to take it? Or if we sat down and just went through on a whiteboard for two hours and just went through all the exercises it's easy in retrospect, right? But what do you think your conviction was at that point to know that that was the right move or, or could have been? You know, it was more like a feeling of, of I had just painted this beautiful picture of, of growing and uh, building this big business in the industry. And I convinced the investors and I convinced myself. Absolutely. And, you know, push comes to shove. I knew the market dynamics. I knew that, you know, this was a, a mature industry very difficult to get new business, very difficult to hang on to business and prevent customers from churning. And the dynamics of uh, the ecosystem were not in our favor. We had a technology platform that was uh, that required a lot of refactoring that made it very difficult to iterate and, and, and make new products. So I knew all of these things in the back of my mind. I just didn't want to listen to it. And, you know, it this kind of spidey sense, whatever I'm trying to communicate also applies to hard decision about uh, personnel, mm -hmm. about hiring and firing people. Um, you know, that another mistake that I made was just hanging on to people too long and letting them self-select out of the business as opposed to making the hard decision and saying, you know, you're really not right for this role. We need to part ways. Right. Uh, so I think that was a, that was a common new first time CEO uh, issue where, you know, you fall in love with people, you think they're the greatest, and they're they're given everything they can, and they're just not up to the task. And uh, making those firing decisions, I, I think this is a really common theme, and it's hard to do. It's easy to say it's hard to do. Yeah. So uh, let, let let's jump to that people in just a second, because there's a big theme there, and that's a huge lesson. I know how hard that is. But uh, you know, one of the themes that we talk about at Growth Elevated, and you've joined us at some of our events, is exactly what you just described. You. You've just convinced your investors, you've just convinced your team that the best thing in the world is to fund this business and go climb that mountain to some future exit. Yet you had this opportunity and your gut somewhere, at least now, you can see somewhere in your gut and you knew that might have been a good opportunity. And I think what I hear you saying is you, you, you were a little trapped, right? Because you, you can't go talk to those investors. Your board is now the investors that just bought into your vision of the new future, right? So. Mm -hmm. Part of what we, we talk about a lot is having that phone a friend or that guide on the outside that you can talk to. Did you have someone like that, that, that you know, you could really have that conversation without guilt, have someone really just shake you, say, Joel, let's go through this, you know, let, let, let's go through your, your business school tasks here, rank this company with a, with a scorecard. And you're talking about investing the next three, four years of your life here. Did you have someone like that that could really 
give you that safe place to, to really yeah, work yeah. that out? Or was it just too fast you were moving? You know, I really did. I, I, I have those types of people in my life, but I didn't take advantage of it. I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't put the ask out there. You know, that was my mistake. That was on me. So cultivating those relationships, uh, those mentorship relationships are extremely important in, in knowing when to use them. Um, you know, I, I didn't take advantage of that. When I look back too, that's one of the biggest lessons I have as well, right? Because you know, we both went to business schools, we've got smart friends, we have network, but you know, sometimes you're just so drilled in, you're just kind of focused on it. Yeah. And another set of eyes, someone who's not in the middle of things who can look at you and say, are you crazy? You're not going to take the <laughs> offer. You know? <laughs> well, exactly right. Exactly right. And another, you know, another thing that I've learned is as a, a founder and a CEO, you may not own a majority of the business. You may have investors who own the majority of the business, but you have a lot more power than you think. Mm -hmm. And going to the board uh, and saying, you know, this is my conviction. We are selling the business. It really puts them in a position of almost having to follow. Um, right. Or, they're not going to run the company. No, they're not going to run the company. You know, maybe they replace you as the CEO and they say, we're going to go do this on, on their own. But say, when you make a compelling case, when you say, hey, guys, I've, I've, I've looked at all of our options here and I truly believe that this is our best path forward, which is what I wish I would have done is to say, hey, we have a chance to exit the business and uh, and have a happy ending, even though it's not a not a 10x, you know, double or triple. You got to take this opportunity right now. Um, it's not going to get any better. Um, you know, I could have said all those things and I would have had to build that case and I would have had to you know, unconvince myself of what I had just done, you know, but, but that would have been the right thing to do. And, and yeah. um, you know, when you have the conviction, you really take on leadership role and you're, you're leading your team, you're leading yourself first, you're leading your team, but then you're also leading the board. Yeah. Uh, whether you're chairman of the board or not, whether you're majority owner or not, you know, they're looking to you as um, as the the expert in the room for your business. Absolutely. Well, Joel, this one gets three stars, which means we're going to go back and, and, and explore this theme because I think a lot of our, our community could really benefit from it. And I'm going to invite you to maybe work with me and write a blog about it because I think it's such a key. It's an emotional trap that I think we all get into. And I think we all wish we'd had a couple of rounds of that so we could do it again, right? So yeah. that, that's a great topic. Thank you for that. Uh, you were talking about HR challenges. Um, you, you have some, some lessons you want to talk about there? Sure. Um, I guess I would start with a positive and say, you know, one of the things that um, really made our business work from the very beginning was the team, the energy and the enthusiasm of having people in the same room with the same mission and the same excitement for building something. So it's, it's, we get to do this together. Um, I had some really, really strong people on, on my team and um, I gave them all the latitude, you know, to work with and, and do what they do. And I really relied on that. It was kind of the, the opposite of micromanagement. It was um, having the humility to say, you are the expert in the business, not me. You're the expert in your domain, not me. And I'm looking to you for solutions. I'm looking to you to figure things out. I'm not dictating as the CEO, I'm not dictating what you should be doing. Early on, my experience was, if you only have a small group of people and you have to go out and do big things and things done, you really don't have time to 
mentor people, uh, to train people, you need kind of experienced killers on your team. So you're going to go out there and get things done. And um, your job is more like a coach of all these superstars. So you want to surround yourself with superstars. And then you want to make sure that, um, you know, you're taking a almost like a, um, a servant like approach saying, what can I do for you? What do you need? What do you need to get this job done? I know you have a really big task in front of you. What are the resources that you need that I can put in front of you? So that's something that I think we got right at Lexicon. Um, and, you know, the same team team members that were with me from day one, uh, most of them lasted until the very end. Uh, and, and they were kind of extremely skilled and, and did a great job. On the flip side of that, where I think I made some mistakes and we made some mistakes, was we had people who um, just outlasted their usefulness or um, weren't doing the job or, you know, you, you give them a lot of slack and they, they, they didn't really perform. And um, again, it goes back to this. I want to believe in them. Yeah. I want to believe that the business is going to succeed, but I kind of know better. You had that inner, inner voice again. As soon as you get that feeling, you have to act on that feeling. And, and that was the mistake is just letting it last too long before you made the hard decision. There's a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things, I think. Yep. And, um, and that's really what I'm talking about here. So I had a number of different situations um, you know, in that regard where I, I should have pulled the trigger on, on parting ways with uh, some, of the, some of the people on the team and lasted way too long. And that's a huge lesson that I'm sure is, is not uh, unique to you. I've, I've got it saying, they say, they say, uh, hire slowly and fire fast. This is, you know, partner level. So it's a little harder, but I think those same emotional dynamics happen with any people decision, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. I've, I've had situations like that where people where I've come to the same audience and they said, well, what took you so long? And that's when, that's when you know, you're in that same trap, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Joel. So, uh, I, th I think, uh, those are some great lessons and I'd love to, to put those into a, a, a blog with you. Uh, tell us what you're doing now. Uh, I know you've got some exciting things going, going on now. Now you, you, you sold the company. First of all, congratulations. You've, that's a huge win on the journey. And now you've uh, that next step. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I sold the company, um, was able to land the team um, and transition, a, you know, a majority of the customers. So that, you know, the post sale, I'm, I'm actually proud for the post sale process because uh, it, it went very smoothly and. Um, and we were able to kind of find a place for everyone, customers, employees, everyone. Uh, it, it, it went well. And so, uh, who owns the company now? Uh, a company called Red Awning. Red Awning, okay. And the next step for me, so I, I stayed with the company for another about six, six seven months. Um, and I just took on a new role as CEO of a technology company. So totally different space than hospitality. Yep. And uh, the company that I'm that I'm currently running is called Compute.ai, and Compute.ai makes compute for the AI generation. So it's infrastructure that improves the efficiency of compute. Uh, it saves you about five times the the costs on your uh, server infrastructure in the cloud. Fantastic. Well, we're going to have to have you on here in the future to talk about that journey and and what you're going to do different on the second journey based on the lessons you learned on the first. I'm going to do the hard things. <laughs> That's exactly right. Hey, Joel, thanks so much for joining us this morning. And uh, we look forward to, to, to collaborating with you in the, in the future. Thanks, Julian. Appreciate right. it. Take care. Take care, Joel. 
Thank you for listening to the Growth Elevated Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you please follow us and subscribe on your favorite podcast player? And we'd be grateful if you recommend it to a friend. If you'd like more resources on how to become a better leader in business, we invite you to visit us at growthelevated.com. We'll be back next week with more insight from another great tech leader. Thank you.